want to welcome a new sponsor to the podcast, and that is Happy Car Florida and Happy Car Sales. Now, listen, I've known the owner, Lou Marici, for about 15 years. I've bought cars from him at different locations all throughout South Florida, and now he's doing his own thing, just like me. Go figure that one. Louis Marici runs happycarsflorida.com, and here's the best part about it. If you're interested in buying a car, whether you have good credit, bad credit, or get this, no credit whatsoever, you can buy a car from Louie. It's very simple. All you do is call 954-745-9599. Very specifically, tell Louie you heard about him on my podcast, Swings and Mishes, and he's going to get you into a car. Again, financing is done right in the dealership. It's easy to get a car. At the end of the day, you'll be driving out with whatever car you want. And here's the best part of it. If the car that you want is not on his lot, Louie's going to get it for you. How do I know? Because you can call him right in the cell phone and ask or text him. 561-716-6463. That's Louie's direct number. You text him and say, hey, Louie, I heard about you on Swings and Mishes. Here's the car I want. Can you get it for me? Bam. You got it. You're out and you're good. No credit, bad credit, good credit. Doesn't make a difference who you are. Louie will take care of you. Again, Happy Car Sales, 954-745-9599, located at 203 West State Road 84 in Fort Lauderdale. You'll be leaving Happy Car Sales very happy. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome back to another episode of Swings and Mishes, the second episode since we've launched our website, swingsandmishes.com. I'm Jeremy Taché, your producer, joined by Craig Mish, as always, the host and the man behind everything Swings and Mishes. Uh, Craig, how are you doing on this fine Thursday morning? It's, it's going well. I'm getting ready to go see uh, the, the premiere of Toy Story 4 today. I, know, I didn't know that Zach Gallen was going to come up and I was going to have to miss maybe a half hour of the game or so. But that's on the schedule, Jeremy, for tonight, that and Zach Gallen. So uh, we have a lot to get to here on this podcast. And as you mentioned, swingsandmishes.com, our new venture, very excited for that. And also, of course, our sponsors, uh, All Year Cooling, who has been with us now for a few months. It is so hot outside. If you guys do not call them, you're making a big mistake. And I'll tell you right now, um, Happy Cars Florida uh, and Happy Car in Fort Lauderdale, as we mentioned there in the ads, my buddy Louie is telling me he's got a lot of new cars on the lot. And for those of you who are interested in purchasing a new car this summer, maybe you have one of your kids who is headed to college and you need a good deal on a car somewhere, make sure you give him a call and tell him that I sent you for sure and uh, any help you need there. But no question, Jeremy, I think that we're in a critical stretch here for the Marlins. We've got basically a month to go until the trade deadline. And as you know, over the last 24, 48 hours, uh, we had a lot of breaking news here at Swings and right. Mishes. And of course, with me at Craig Mish. So let's kind of dive into that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's right where we can start. So Zach Gallen, as you mentioned, has gotten called up to the bigs. We're all very excited about it. It does come with a little bit of a gray cloud, though, as it's as a result of Pablo Lopez going to the injured list uh, with a shoulder issue, as you reported. So I, I would love to hear your thoughts. I, the upsetting part is we've been looking so forward to seeing Gallen in the bigs. And, and we both talked about this yesterday on Twitter that, you know, we're excited about Gallen, but, but Pablo going down to the IL is really upsetting as, as a, someone that cares about the Marlins, someone that cares about the guy. So I would love to hear your thoughts on both 
Gallant coming up and Pablo sort of going down. Yeah, and with timing of, of recording a podcast on a Thursday, a lot of times what we do is we have information from previous days, and we're going to bring you some of that here on this podcast today. But just as a small caveat to that, I will expect that later today, whenever you're listening to this podcast, Thursday afternoon, Thursday night, maybe even Friday or Saturday, uh, that we are unfortunately a little bit dated because Pablo Lopez's determination on his, uh, on his shoulder and his injury will be out probably by the time that you listen to this or at least in a little mm-hmm. while. So we'll say that. Yeah, I think that, I think that sometimes we try to fi- find silver linings when we have you know, you know, negative stories. This is unfortunately finding a negative lining in a positive story. It really right. is because Zach Gallen's debut comes with a very, very unfortunate injury to Pablo Lopez, who had shoulder issue last year, was shut down for a period of time. Um, this this time around, he's going on the injured list. I would guess the Marlins will be supremely careful with him. And I don't ever, I've never heard of a shoulder injury that's a 10-day deal. So my guess is this is going to be longer than that. How much longer? I'm not going to speculate. But they're just going to have to figure out something to keep him on the field because this is unfortunately two years in a row. And as I said on Twitter last night, this is a first-class individual who is available for everything and anything the Marlins have ever asked with fans, with media, and really embodies what the organization is trying to do in terms of character. And, and hopefully he is okay. So we wish certainly the best for Pablo Lopez. I do as well, and I, I make no bones about that. In terms of Gallen, a very well-deserved call-up. He should have been called up when Arania got hurt, but they were in a little bit of a pinch when Arania just shows up the day before and says, oh, my back hurts in a bullpen. And so right. all the Marlins get together, the executives. I, I think Gary Denbo told us last week it was seven or eight people in a room deciding what to do. They chose Yamamoto. That looked like the right call. We'll get to Yamamoto in a minute. Uh, so Gallen had just pitched a couple of days ago. He couldn't get called up for that start. So here we are now, and a third injury to the rotation has occurred. So Gallen gets to make his major league du- debut against the Cardinals a team that's 29th in batting average in June, 29th in, in on-base percentage in June, and 28th in OPS. That may even be worse after last night. I honestly right. didn't even check this morning. So I would think that he's got a real shot to have a good first start, and then the intrigue begins because we got some good teams offensively coming in pretty soon in Washington and Philadelphia. And so some real good tests coming up for both Yamamoto and Gallon, but certainly – Gallon was the best pitcher in all of minor league baseball, in my opinion, in, at least from a statistical point of view. Right. So I, I, Jeremy, am very curious to see how he performs on Thursday. And there's so many levels to that in facing the Cardinals. Number one, Gallon was traded from the Cardinals in the Marcelo Zuna trade. He was there along with Manioi Sierra and uh, obviously Sandy Alcantara. But the other level to that, you mentioned that the Cardinals have struggled so much offensively. Maybe it's because they've uh, faced the Marlins so much and the pitching has been so Could good. Be. Well, chicken yeah, it's, the, it's a fair point. That's a you fair know? point. I, uh, I, don't, I don't know that that's the reason, but it is a fair <laughs> point when you, yeah. when you look it's at it. But, but, they, but, you know, look, this is, this is uh, we're in June uh, today, uh, Thursday. We're recording this on June 20th. Right. We've had about 17 games of baseball for the Cardinals. they, they got to have better excuses than facing the Marlins. Also. <laughs> I mean, they Marcelo Zuna. And Matt Carpenter and Paul Goldschmidt, yeah, and Harrison Bader. I mean, that, that's a pretty good offensive team. And I'm not saying that they're the best in baseball, but they shouldn't be the worst. That's for oh, sure. Oh, certainly, and certainly. Cardinals, Cardinals can't blame John Mabry this year. That's who they were. Their <laughs> hitting coach here blaming him all last year. He got fired, and now, uh, mm-hmm. and now they're kind of uh, back down the same road. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see this. 
definitely a different feel for sure in the Marlins rotation because it would appear as though Yamamoto's there to stay. Hernandez could be there to stay. Gallon, who knows? Like, so right. I, I think that, um, you know, especially with this upcoming homestand, I'm curious to see from a curiosity point of view, especially from Marlins fans, uh, and, and we'll get to Yamamoto here in a minute. And look, this is not Fernando Valenzuela when I was a kid and he came up with yeah. L.A. I'm not, I'm not trying to pretend that's, that's what it is, or even Dontre Willis when he was with the Marlins. But certainly the intrigue to see what Yamamoto was all about, I think some people should be interested in that. Yeah, it's exciting to see what all of these guys are going to do, and it starts with Gallon tonight. Uh, other roster moves that were made as of yesterday, and we'll start here with the player that was on the Marlins, Rosel Herrera, DFA'd by the Marlins. What surrounds that with Herrera? Yeah, I broke that yesterday. Uh, Herrera, as, as many people who listen to this podcast know, would be a, uh, a failure in assessment on my part going into the season from what I've heard. But from what I understand, I think, although publicly, maybe they'll say it at some point, I, I think a, not a failure, but a disappointment, I think, on the Marlins part as well. They thought that they were going to get a better player than, than what worked out. I, I had asked people before the season and was told he's a very energetic player, a great clubhouse guy, a speed guy, someone who could play all over the field. But the bottom line, Jeremy, is Herrera couldn't hit at all, man. Right. He couldn't hit lefties at all. And so... Uh, you know, they just got to a point where they had to make a decision, and they did. So they end up making a trade, a very small trade. Everyone thought it was going to be a very big trade. <laughs> <laughs> I think I disappointed people yesterday. Right. But they end up getting Cesar Pueyo from the Los Angeles Angels. And Pueyo has some limited offensive numbers that we've seen at the big leagues, although the small sample has been good. He can basically play uh, all three outfield positions, so they're going to give him a real shot, I think, for the next month to see what he's all about. And the real key as to why the Marlins signed him is there's some familiarity there, and this is where it goes back to the organization having so many different voices and allowing those voices to be heard. And in this particular case, the AAA manager of the Marlins in New Orleans, Keith Johnson, uh, really was a big fan of Pueyo, and he has a lot of familiarity with him from the Angels organization. So from what I understand, uh, that is one of the reasons why they ended up making the trade there. This is a, a person in the Marlins organization that really liked him. And, uh, of course, you know, everyone else is involved in that process. But, you know, a little, little tip of the cap here to Keith Johnson, the manager of the Baby Cakes. We'll see if this ends up working out, but that's, that's kind of, it's interesting that in a very different way, the Marlins have certainly run this organization as I've talked about where everyone has a voice and it's right. a team effort. People weigh in on different uh, things, different issues. And so in this particular case, we'll see if it works out, Jeremy, we really have no idea, but it is no, there's no question that Pueyo is an uh, offensive upgrade over Rosell Herrera. Right. I mean, the guy sadly for Herrera, he couldn't hit at all. Right. Literally. You know, just as a pinch hitter. As a pinch hitter, one of the most dominant pinch hitters other than Lenny Harris in, uh, in, in Marlins lore. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to pretend to know a ton about Cesar Polo. I do know he's hitting three, over 300 uh, in, in about 30 games for, we don't know for the Angels. About him. Well, who knows? We're going you know? to have a chance to see him here a little bit. And, and look, uh, Birdie will come off the injured list soon. Right. And they'll have to figure out what to do with Pete O'Brien. I have no idea what their plan is there. Neil Walker has got to come back because they got to try and trade him in a month. He may be right. the only one they could trade in a month, uh, maybe him and Romo. So they, they got to get those guys back. And so it's a very fluid roster at this point as the Marlins now view themselves clearly out of the postseason competition. There's right. no 
getting around it. We're here at June 20th. You're 20 games under, whatever it is. Uh, it's about evaluating the young kids the rest of the season. That's what this is about. Maybe Pueyo is an extra outfielder. Maybe he's a starting outfielder. But I certainly will, uh, will, will evaluate him as we go forward. Well, and you mentioned evaluating the young kids. We'll move over to a draft pick that has signed for the Marlins. It's Evan Fitterer, who you mentioned a couple weeks ago. The Marlins were really high on him, and they got him in the fifth round. Uh, and you mentioned that, you know, they'd likely sign him over slot, and he would be a Miami Marlin. That's exactly what happened. Yesterday, he signed for $1.5 million uh, as a right-handed pitcher out of California. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, how the Marlins are feeling about Evan Fitterer finally getting signed with the roster yeah and i reported when the draft happened a couple of weeks ago that they're going to sign all those picks in the first uh two days i believe i right. said that's still going to happen as i told you this will and so fitterer they had to go way over slot to get but they expected that going in they're not they're not silly they i'm sure knew that they were going to be able to sign him before they took him they're not going to just throw away a fifth round pick but from what i was told jeremy is that when they took Fitterer and even, I think, uh, Makma, the pitcher in the, in the 12th round to a degree, right. they had other organizations saying to them, are you kidding me? Like, you're not going to be able to sign those guys. And the right. Marlins were like, oh, you know, maybe we will. Yeah. So really good job there by uh, DJ Svillick and, and his team identifying that player. And to get those kind of texts and calls from other organizations like that were unaware that he was signable, is really incredible. So a great job by Miami. John Heyman was the one who reported the money yesterday. I reported that the deal was almost done. Right. Uh, it was just a matter of, of, of him passing a physical. And so with everything else that was going on during the day, honestly, some of, this, <laughs> some of this breaking news I had, I was in the car, man. Like it was a wild day on Wednesday for me. So yeah. I missed out on the money, but got the signing. So that was good. And now we'll, uh, we'll wait to see them cap off really the big two pieces that are still left. Jeremy, of course, J.J. Bladé, who's now playing in the College World Series, so we're a week or two away from that. And then Cameron Meisner, who's still unsigned. Right, and what, what is the deal with Cameron Meisner? I mean, I know the Marlins are, are excited about his bat, obviously, his power potential. A lot of people have made comparisons between him and Bladé and similar you know, types of feel coming out of the draft. Why hasn't Meisner been signed yet? Well, they still have a month almost to, to get this done, so it's not a huge issue. You see this happen a lot, and there's – there's a lot of picks out there who have not been signed. But simply put, Meisner, in my opinion, thought that he was going to go five to ten picks higher than what he went in the draft. And so whether it's getting advice or him personally, I'm not really sure. But he did not. And so I would guess that he's a little bit upset about that because he lost out on some money. And from what I understand, that's, that's kind of the issue is that potentially he's – trying to make up for a few dollars lost by going a little bit later by asking for a little bit more money over his slot and the Marlins are unwilling to do that at this point point. and so uh, Mike Hill the president of baseball operations of the Marlins I thought for those people for the reporters who were uh, covering his his little press conference uh, last week at Marlins Park would have kind of noticed a little bit of innuendo hmm. that which is rare for Mike where he basically said you know, it would be good to have all of the picks, including Meisner. And I don't, want, I, I don't want to misquote him, but to the degree of he's not here, he's not signed, it would be great if he was because then we could put him in Clinton or we could put him in Jupiter somewhere. And he's, by the time he gets here, he's not going to have played a month. And so he'd be even behind in this development process. Now, he didn't say it in that, uh, in that strength, but he kind of, you know, had some innuendo there. Like, to me, at least in my opinion, right. it was saying, hey, Meisner, like, 
sign your deal. You know, <laughs> go, we're, we're offering you the slot. Just sign it. I mean, you're, we, we can't go over on you. It's just not going to happen. Right. Um, and, and I don't know, Jeremy, I guess that's kind of where we're at. I, I, this deal is going to get done. Look, it may, it may get done on the very last day in mid July that, that they, that they have to get it done. It may go right down to that deadline, but I just don't see, unfortunately for, uh, for Meisner, the, the leverage. I, I don't, I don't see any here. And so I can't speak to what he is thinking or his representation is, is thinking at this point. I have not spoken to them, so I don't know. But the perspective here, Jeremy, is that the deal will get done. He'll sign for the slot. I don't think the Marlins are going to go over here. Maybe they have to bend. I'm, I'm not really sure how that will work, but he'll, he'll be in the Marlins organization playing somewhere, I would guess, in July. It's just the, late, the later this goes, Jeremy, if right. this really goes right down to the last day in July, he's basically losing you know, virtually the entire second half, more or less, of, of playing right. minor league ball. So, okay, we'll see him next year then. Well, and listening to what Gary Denbo had to say, to say to us last week about the player development process and the way that that all goes where it's a 30 days hands-off approach, I mean, you miss a month, that's an extra 30 days without getting the coaching and the instruction in the hands-on way that the Marlins would like to help craft their players. So it, it, the longer this goes along, the, the further behind in development any player would be, you know, not just yeah. Cameron Meisner, but anybody, you know, and, and you want to get players into the organization as soon as possible. Yeah. And this happens a lot with other teams. This is no indictment on oh, you know, like, like Meisner at all. They, they, uh, they should ask for as much money and try to get as much money as they possibly can. But there's also being a position of realization that mm-hmm. it's not the Marlins fault that Cameron Meisner fell in the draft five picks, 10 picks. Like that's not when he just kind of fell to them, they grabbed him. That's not, I mean, I would think that he would look at the Marlins and say, okay, this is the team that really wants me. Now let me shove it to the other 29 <laughs> teams in the league. I don't That's, that's yeah. the way that I would view it. But again, when you have representation and you're trying to maximize for your client, it does make sense. So I'm not knocking what, what's being done at any time, but it's just, I think it's over so little money, Jeremy, at this right. point that it's, it's got to get done. And then as you know, and I've talked about this before, DJ Spillick is very high on, uh, on Chris Bakba. And I know that that could also go down to the wire because he's got a strong commitment to a really good university to pitch in Penn State. Uh, signability was an issue there with him also, but uh, has the potential to you know, throw into the mid-90s in terms of a fastball. And if he right. can be developed by some of the Marlins, and look at the, how the Marlins have developed young pitching, if they can develop Makma, at the minor league level, uh, there's a lot to be excited about there. And I don't know how he profiles, but they really want him signed too. I know that. But again, this is going to come down to money and really how much the Marlins want to spend to get it done. To be a fly on the wall in, in those types of meetings with the, with, with the way that the leverage works in the draft where you have a fifth round pick getting a million and a half and a 10th round pick barely getting a signing bonus because simply because of leverage of being a senior in high school versus senior in college. It's, it's a fascinating uh, dichotomy between the two. But getting back to... Uh, the actual on-field action, it's Jordan Yamamoto. I mean, that's been the story of the last week. The Marlins went two and four over the last week. They lost both series. But the real bright spot, the real fun that all Marlins fans got to have that has fans on Twitter talking about having uh, a night with Hawaiian lays at the park or Hawaiian shirts at the park. Yeah. Uh, It's Jordan Yamamoto. Uh, Another seven shutout innings against the Cardinals. Once again, this time only two hits. And some of the swings on strikeouts, he had a strikeout against Harrison Bader and a strikeout against Matt Carpenter. 
that made them look like little leaguers trying to hit a curveball. It was unbelievable the way he was able to keep them off balance. And, you know, last week we talked about it with Yamamoto. It's what would he look like once they had some film on him now facing the same team for the second time in a week. That's very difficult for any pitcher. And he was maybe better the second time around on the road in Bush Stadium. I mean, what are you thinking about Yamamoto? I mean, I know it's only two starts. We we do have to temper expectations, you know, b- before anointing him, uh, you know, Cy Young for the next 10 years. <laughs> but Jordan Yamamoto, I mean, truly just a circumstantial call up in some ways because Gallon couldn't get called up for Urania and he's really taken advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, he has. And, and I've been able to ask around now with people in the organization and and kind of get more details and, and say, hey, is this real? What's the story here? Because from an evaluation point of view, the Marlins definitely did not think that he would throw 14 scoreless innings in his first two starts, that's for sure. And you do want to give him credit. As you mentioned, that's a good point. He faced the Cardinals twice. Mm-hmm. Let's also add, and this is information that's been given to me, that the Cardinals are excellent fastball hitters. Yes. And so the game plan going into the game was just to off-speed them in start number one and start number two. So that was the game plan, knowing that they, that they hit fastball. So let's start with that. Um, the spin rate for Yamamoto is off the charts, especially on the breaking ball. And also what I'm told is his cutter, uh, he can force contact with that. He's a finesse guy, but is not going to ever give a team – that uh, is a fastball team a lot to hit because of the way that he changes speeds and the unpredictable nature of his uh, of his arsenal. So that's direct from uh, someone in the Marlins organization. And now I will kind of, you know, you know, compound that with this. Uh, again, Yamamoto faced a team that is the worst offensive team in baseball in the month of June. You give him credit for what he's been able to do. I used the example on Twitter the other day of Harlan Garcia, who does not have the talent of Yamamoto, but who at this time last year, it was actually in April uh, or May, that we were all sitting here and Twitter was freaking out and the Marlins fans were freaking out over Harlan Garcia. It's Harlan the Marlin. He's going to be great. Now, I understand it is not the same player. It's not the same spin rate. The arsenal is not the same. I get it. But I just – I'm sorry on this one, guys. I am going to have to see a few more starts from, uh, from Yamamoto in order to, to buy all in on this. Now, you give him so much credit for what he's been able to accomplish at the big league level in two starts for sure. I want to see Philadelphia now, you know. That's yep. it. That's where I'm at. I want to see Philly this weekend. I want to see him face Philly the following weekend. And I assure you in two weeks, indeed, if, if this continues or even comes close to continuing, and I'm talking about quality start continuing, that's all I'm looking for at this point. If those continue, we're really going to have uh, something to talk about here as a potential uh, mainstay, maybe even in the rotation. But right. I would guess he'll throw in June, he'll throw in July, maybe a little in August, Jeremy, and that'll be it because he's already thrown a lot of innings in the minor league level too. But uh, very rarely am I a – bucket water thrower over people <laughs> uh, that's not who i am right I, I am a half full not half empty guy but remember i'm coming at a place where i'm also able to and fortunate enough to have good relationships within the marlins organization and people there and when i am told oh my gosh this guy is going to be great like i'm told about zach gallon you know 
and like I'm told about other players. And you know, before Harold Ramirez came up, I was told this guy is going to hit no matter what. Well, I don't know what else, but he's going to hit. Like these are things that I get, and no one told me. <laughs> Here we go, Yamamoto. <laughs> no one, no one, anyone. Right now, this is sometimes you make mistakes for the better, and sometimes you make mistakes for the worse. This may be. Uh, not necessarily a mistake, but this may be an evaluation where the player is above what you thought. Players change co- constantly. Command and control comes later for a pitcher. And so all of these things could certainly factor in. But what I don't want to do with this particular player mm-hmm. is I don't want to say Cy Young, uh, Young Emoto. <laughs> I don't want to call him an ace. I don't want to do all those things until we get a couple of more starts from seeing some other teams. And there's no doubt, Jeremy, if he's able to shut down Philly, in two starts right. like he was against St. Louis, then we are talking about uh, a pitcher that we haven't seen in quite some time where he doesn't throw that hard, but he certainly keeps guys off balance. And, and now with the info and data right. that other teams will have, I'll, I'll be keeping a, a close eye on that. So for Marlins fans, I apologize that I'm not <laughs> all in on Yamamoto, but I, I got to kind of go with what I see and also go, go with what I so it's uh, Jordan Yamagoto, not Cy Yamamoto. But uh, nonetheless, w- with Yamamoto, the one thing I, I will say uh, in regards to, you know, the way that we're talking about approach here, and I talked about it last week in terms of pitching backwards, and that was starting guys with curveballs. Well, as you just mentioned, that's specifically an approach you can take with the Cardinals as they are a fastball hitting team, right? You can keep them off balance by just throwing a bunch of junk up there. But having that command, having the control over your your off-speed pitches it's when hitters leave the field against a guy like Yamamoto, they've gone what you would call a comfortable 0 for 3. So they don't feel overwhelmed by his stuff. Right. They don't necessarily feel like they had a bad day at the ballpark, but they went 0 for 3 and they go, all right, I'm going to get him next time. And then they come back and they did the exact same thing. It's another comfortable 0 for 3. Where when you're facing a guy, say like Caleb Smith, whose stuff is just out of control, you hit one ball hard on the nose. You could go, you know, one for four with three strikeouts and still feel like you had a really good day because, wow, that guy's stuff is overwhelming. Right. And with, with Yamamoto, you could go over three with three fly ball outs, and it's just – it's comfortable. It's easy. And it, it, the, the best comparison of a guy, obviously, currently in the big leagues, it's Kyle Hendricks. The guys before, Jared Weaver, you know, sure. going back to the guys mm-hmm. like Maddox. And in today's day and age, you don't see a lot of this. I'm not calling him Greg Maddox. I'm not calling no. him Jared Weaver. I'm not calling him Kyle Hendricks. But it's nice to see someone with the approach of just coming in as a pitcher, a pitcher first, who clearly has, through the years, developed a game plan. It's not just an individual game plan for teams. This is who he is. He's going to pitch backwards. He's going to command his off-speed stuff. He's mm-hmm. going to use the fastballs and out-pitch late in at-bats and be able to move up and down throughout the strike zone and change eye levels. And, and hopefully against a team like Philadelphia that, that's full of stars on that team that are hitting the ball pretty well at the moment, you know, we can see the same type of approach work in a successful way. But it, it's been fun to watch nonetheless thus far, as you mentioned. And, you know, I'm just excited to see how it goes going forward between him and Zach Gallen and Eliezer Hernandez. I mean, it, it's unfortunate that these guys have all come up due to injuries to the starters who had been so good but with all the pitching depth that we've been talking about non-stop in this organization it is exciting that as pitchers go down you do have fun young and talented pitchers coming up to take their place yeah and if Yamamoto has the career of Mike Leake 
And I know mm. that maybe Marlins fans will go, oh, Mike Leake. Go take Mike a look Leak's at Mike Leake. Exactly. I mean, yeah. look, at, look at Mike's Leak, like Mike Leake's first seven years in Major League Baseball and the money that Mike Leake made over the course of his <laughs> career. Okay? So if, if Yamamoto is that, right? three or a four in a Major League rotation for a decade, he'd take that right now. And so – I'm, I'm not saying that that's necessarily a comp because I think Yamamoto can spin it probably more than Lee can. And that was a big mm-hmm. reason why the Marlins acquired him. In fact, I would also say this, this is something that I don't think a lot of people know. Uh, it is my understanding on Yamamoto that, and I'm not exactly sure. So I want to be a little bit careful if, because I know a lot of people listen to this, but I don't think the Marlins saw Yamamoto pitch at all when they acquired him. I don't think they saw him even once as in when they scouted okay i think this was simply analytics with him Mm -hmm. and that was it now i may be wrong someone will text me after the podcast no we did (laughs) but i had heard that like if they saw him it was it it was was once yeah it was it was all about just looking at the advanced data which is what it's amazing uh, director of player personnel dan greenley is responsible for and so uh, tip of the cap to him a little bit for in in terms of that, but you know he'll you ask him he'll tell you the whole team. Dude. Right. No one no one in the Marlins. <laughs> is here. No one wants to take credit for everything. They all want to say it's my team and it's this guy and it's also this guy, which is also something uh, brand new for them. But yes, we will see Yamamoto pitch this weekend, and then we'll we'll uh, dive in further next week. For that to be analytics strictly, when it is a guy that doesn't throw hard is so ironic, right? I mean, just we talk about analytics in advanced and it's this and it's I can get a guy that throws 95, I don't even need to see him and for analytics to be the thing that brings in the player who's mostly just throwing off speed pitches, it's it's pretty cool. But like you mentioned, I mean, we'll see him once again over the weekend. We've got Gallon going tonight. Um before we wrap up, I do want to mention that Ian Smith has a new article on uh swingsandmissions.com about Edward Cabrera. Uh, and what we've seen from him at the single A level thus far this year. And it, it, I thought it was a really good read as I was reading through it. So I, I would recommend that all of you go check that out after or before you listen to this podcast. I guess if you're listening, it can't be before. But either way, go check out his article. We'll have more from Louis Davila um, later in the week as well. Um, anything else you want to add in here, Craig, before we wrap up? I, I think that, again, as as we record the podcast, we don't know the severity of, of Pablo Lopez's injury, but I just want to stress that as excited as people are about the depth of the Marlins pitching staff, you, you cannot make any mistake about it that Lopez is a vital piece moving mm-hmm. forward for Miami. And so, uh, you know, I would leave with with the impartial nature of just saying that you obviously as a fan or a media member, you hope that a player isn't hurt. But I know from based on the responses that at what, what kind of impact he's had on fans Yeah, for that real. you certainly hope that he's able to come back and pitch again. And look, maybe, maybe it is a short-term deal, three, four, five weeks, something like that. But you, you certainly hope that he's able to pitch again this season and, and be in the rotation next year because if they have uh, 10 starting pitchers that they covet right now in the organization he may not be number one but he ain't number 10 either like he is right, right in the mix to be in this rotation for many many years and so um, I hope I wish I wish him the best of health and certainly the best of luck and, and any kind of rehab that he has to go through to get back on the field and I'll end it with that yeah he's a he's a wonderful human being as well and that's been the 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 big sentiment that we've seen from from fans media members and and even players alike as as uh pablo has gone down so um best of luck to pablo lopez and his recovery here and best of luck to zach gallon the b-man 
in his uh, first start tonight for the Marlins. Check out everything on swingsandmissions.com. Please like and subscribe our podcast and subscribe to the website as well. Thanks, guys. And we look forward to being back with you once again next week. As always, want to thank All Year Cooling for presenting this podcast. All Year Cooling has serviced my unit in my house for more than a decade. Tommy Smith is the best. There's no one better that you could ever ask for, especially with the summer here, folks. Do you need your AC checked? Do you need it repaired? They give free estimates. They have the best financing of any air conditioning company in the state of Florida. And if you want to get a new unit, you need to call Tommy right now, 888-204-5554. As I mentioned, I have a unit in my house. And if I should ever have an issue, and we're talking about two or three in 10 years, I call all year. They're at my house in 10 minutes. They have the best service plans possible, and they take care of you because they've been family-owned and operated for more than 25 years. That's Tommy Smith, my friend, the owner of All Year Cooling, 888-204-5554. What are you waiting for? The summer is here. Before your unit goes down, call all year right now and get it repaired. 888-204-5554. Incredible financing options at All Year Cooling. Stay cool in the summer with Tommy Smith and All Year Cooling. 888-204-5554.